Hi, everyone. Welcome to Brain Talks. I'm Deborah Khan, founder of Being Patient. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that I know a lot of people have trouble over, and that is the use of technology with an elderly parent, um, one especially one suffering um, from dementia. That is always a tricky, tricky um, point of people's relationship. And I'm pleased to say we have an expert, um, Jack York, who is the president and founder of a company appropriately named It's Never Too Late. Hi, Jack, and thanks very much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. This is uh, this is it's my my pleasure. <laughs> okay, so. To start with, I've had that experience. My mom um, actually, I don't think can use her iPhone anymore. It's just too complicated. There's too many layers to her phone. Um, and uh, what we were talking about earlier is, interestingly enough, when you um, are given a cognitive test, there's always a clock in that test. And the reason for that is because a clock has many layers to it. And when somebody is having cognitive impairment, that becomes more difficult um, to articulate on paper. So I think of that much like um, a, a, a smartphone, where there's so many different layers to get into the phone. Um, so tell me, what what let's start first with what are some of the problems um, elderly people have with dealing with technology? Yeah, and it's you know it's it's having done this for twenty years now. It's it's it, it's so hard to to generalize anything because it's it, everybody everybody has kind of their own their own path that they go to. I think I think the first thing is. And it's funny because it reminds me of, of just my own experience when I first – I forget how many years ago. It was probably 40 years ago. For me, I'm almost 60. But it was – I never really embraced technology until I had a – until the it was a risk-reward, until the reward was worth it to me. And my, my father died, and I had to sort out a bunch of financial stuff. And so all of a sudden, it was worth it to me. To learn Excel, you know, and so I mean, I had, I had a reason. A lot of times, I think that people make a or they they come up with reasons why people should want to do stuff as opposed for older adults, as opposed to really kind of getting a sense of what what matters in their life. And to so many people, it's it's grandkids, and so if you if, if the if and the point of all this is that it's no matter where you start, all the layering, all the difficulty. A person needs to really be motivated. You know what? I want to get to the other end of this. And if they want to get to the other end of it, there, there's ways and there's tools to do it. And that's, that's always telling you before that it was, it's certainly been our experience over the years that a lot of times the children can be the worst teachers for their parents because there's just so many dynamics that go into, okay, who's the parent here and, and who's not? So, it's certainly been our experience over the years that a lot of times either people that are neutral or people that are their peers are much better at kind of walking people through that whole, you know, the, the just the whole 
treadmill of having to work its way through technology. But you know, it's just it's it's just hard to it's hard to generalize because yeah. Well, I, actually, in our family, we've designated my uh, brother-in-law <laughs> for yeah. that job because my sister and I are not good at that, like you say. But most people, I think, want their parent or their loved one, especially if they're a long-distance di caregiver, right? It's a connection right. um, to stay in touch. Um, so what is the best way? I mean, you know, I had a friend who basically took an iPad and stripped it of everything except for the one video function. And that was the way for, for a long time, her mom was still able to do that. In fact, it was quite sweet because she was living overseas and her mom was in Holland and her mom actually at, at some point thought that she was still living there because she would see her yeah. every day. Right. Right. So right. You can see the benefits. Yeah. Well, and it's also, it's, you know, we've all grown up through incremental, I mean, just fascinating improvements in technology and it kind of an incremental, you know, one month it's this, one month it's that. For someone in their mid nineties that has never seen something like Google Earth, it, it is, it's transformational to go look at that, you know, the farm that you grew up in or the, the church that you used to go to. So I think that, uh, you know, I, I, I just think that, you know, our work, our work as it's never too late is frankly not as much with that one individual in on their own. I mean, I can give you all kinds of answers that are more anecdotal. I think what I can speak a little bit more uh, definitively about is really the family member that is going through their mom or dad in some kind of a community where their mom or dad is dealing with different levels of cognitive decline. And, and I think that, you, you know, I guess my, my message to, it sounds like that's a lot of the folks that are paying attention to your work. And my message to, you know, to convey to those people is demand that the community that mom or dad is going to has access to technology and, and they have people and it, it's a core of what they do. There's no reason that, anybody should not have the right to have to be able to Skype with the grandkids or to be able to connect to their own music or to be able to connect to their own spirituality. And so what we've, what we've spent, you know, frankly, 20 years doing is try to make that whole process as easy as possible, both for the, the person themselves, but oftentimes it is for the caregiver, either a therapy staff, either a speech occupational or physical therapist or uh, a, a rec therapist, an activity director, but just through simple icons and all kinds of content that you're able, I mean, it has nothing to do with aging. It's got nothing to do with dementia. We all have a thirst to be connected to things that are meaningful. And you just, you have to strip through the layers of where people are cognitively to be able to get to it. But the cool thing is that once you find that connection, you, you you can constantly get the person back there just by touching a couple of icons. So that, you know, I, I'm trying to talk more generically than about our product, but I think that's what we, what it took us a lot of years to figure out is that simplicity is much more important than coolness. <laughs> if, yeah, if, if, absolutely. Absolutely. And also you don't want the person to feel frustrated because then they're not right, going to right. right. So tell us a little bit about um, It's Never Too Late. What, how did you develop the content and, and what's on, on your platform? 
Well, let's see. Do, do you want me to give like the, the the truth or kind of like like I can make it sound like I planned everything out? Every we want the truth. <laughs> yeah, okay. you know, I mean, the whole concept started. A, a really good friend of mine, Leslie Sweeney, in uh, in in Southern California. We've been lifelong friends, her and her and her husband and I. And I was living the good life in the Silicon Valley, and and you know that as is the case with most people, if you're not dealing with it with your parents, you just kind of. You know, you're you're driving by the nursing home. You're you're driving by the assisted living community. It's just not not that you're being cruel. It's just not a part of your life. And and Leslie lived very close to an assisted living community, and she just saw how isolated a lot of the a lot of the residents were. And so, she talked me into making a donation, and she worked with the the, the residents and just taking a standard computer uh, off the shelf. And this, you know, this is 1998. It's a it's a long time ago. But we both were, uh, were, were just intrigued by how life-changing it was for a very small number of residents because most of them couldn't figure it out. And, and again, technology was a lot different back then. But it, there still there, there was physical issues to overcome. There was cognitive issues to overcome. And uh, you know, I, I was moving in on forty, and you, you, I think you've had a similar situation where you. You know, you want to you want to feel like you're doing something in your life that has some kind of meaning to it. And so, my my nickname, professionally and personally, has always been Ready Fire Aim. So I just kind of jumped off a cliff with Leslie and, and my brother Tom, who unfortunately died about 15 years ago. But we we just we didn't know what the heck we were doing, and we just we just said there's there's got to be a, a better way to treat there to these people are. Are, are welders and doctors and lawyers and teachers and they're treated like 10 year olds in in these communities there's got to be a better way to do it and I think that the because we didn't know anything we didn't know any better we weren't afraid to try anything in retrospect it was really advantageous to us because we didn't have you know 10 years of this is why we do it this way or, or you just you weren't we weren't sucked into the whole kind of realities of, of healthcare so the, you know, to answer your question, kind of the whole journey of our content and and the whole experience, 100% driven by our customers because they would tell us what worked and what didn't work. And um, and obviously, there's been you know a myriad of technology enhancements and changes over the years that have allowed us to kind of produce what we do now, which is just a very robust content experience that addresses all level of uh, of cognition. So so when you were building this. What did you learn about that interaction with elderly people? And I'm assuming a lot of those people who were in homes um, were suffering from dementia. Is is that right? Yeah, you, you know. And to be honest, I was I was clueless to the whole. I mean, you, you I, I've 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 enjoyed learn. I've had so many people throughout the last two decades that have really been such uh, mentors to me of 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 really educating to me. But when we started, it was, you know, we kind of knew a little bit of what dementia was, but, but not a whole lot. You know what, really to answer that question, you know, what, what the most striking thing to me was of what I learned the first two or three years is how people weren't that different. I went into it thinking there's, there's this whole other, um, you know, like a whole other different mindset at 85 than me at 40 at the time. And, 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 you know, what I've just, as I, I think I said a little bit earlier, just what I've come to learn over the years is just, we, we all, 
we all are thirsty to stay relevant and, and, and you're not relevant by being thrown together with 20 other people in front of a television to watch a Jerry Springer show. I mean, it's uh, it, it, the, the, the I mean, if I really look at the, the, probably the most transformational difference for me in the last 20 years in terms of the work that we do, it's the importance of how the staff, a lot, oftentimes in conjunction with the family, how the staff can work to really get a sense of who the person is wherever they are cognitively. And when you understand who that person is, were they a farmer or are they a farmer? Are they a, a, a fighter, a jet pilot? Or, you know, there's, there's all these little nuances that then there's enough content out there to be able to make it relevant for anybody. But then you wanna, once you find the right content, you wanna make it easy to go back to get to it without having to do that searching again. So it, it, it really, I, but really, if I really look at it, it's how, it's how, how just the lack of difference that I thought people had when I went into it, than what it turned out to be. You just had to deal with their physical and their cognitive realities. Okay, so you mentioned Google um, Earth before, but what is so so? What does it look like? I wish we had we had the ability to show people right now. But but what does that look like to on on the platform? Um, yeah. Sure. For, for what we do, and again, a lot of the work that we do is in in group environments in assisted living communities and nursing homes in memory care communities, and also in some independent and adult day and such, but. It's curated content that you're able to access very intuitively through a layering of icons. So if you want to travel, you touch a travel icon and you hit two or three icons and you're in Germany. And or if you want to have a spiritual content, you you can be going in the middle of a Jewish service just by. And so we have all these thousands of components of content. And then when you then you 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 really put that up against that person, and then you find out, hey, you know what? That one person of the 4,000 pieces of content we have, that person cares about 12 of those things and make it really easy for the staff and the family remotely to be able to get those 12 things there. And one of the joys of the later stage dementia, and I say joy so, it, it may come across the wrong way, but I say it so, uh, so, so, meaningfully for me is that that person doesn't need a new piece of content every day. If you like, like for myself, my, my daughter is a phenomenal young musician in Southern California. She won the 2018 acapella vocalist of the year in the entire country. I can watch her singing every single day. When I, if, if dementia kicks into my life and, and I wind up in a place where I, I struggle, get me to her singing, and I don't care where I am, I think I will be grounded by that. And so I just think it's a matter of taking all of this content, curate it so it's easy to access, and then make it really easy to get to what matters to that person. So it's hard to... So yeah. do you, though, do you think that it's necessary, though, that somebody is there to help? Because that's one of the problems we struggle with. Like even, you know, my mom going, getting into her emails anymore, it's an impossible task. And if if someone wasn't there guiding her through, I don't think she could do it. So, yeah, you know, it, again, it's very hard to generalize. It just depends on where people were. I think that we, we love the uh, the 
the promise of voice. You know, I, I, I look when you, you look, I mean, we're, we are happy to sell a, a tablet devices that are for individuals. But when, you know, when I, when I think about this five years from now, I don't think it's going to be, uh, you know, a 94 year old with early to mid stage dementia tapping away on a little tablet. It's going to be voice and different kinds of interfaces and such. So I think that it's just hard to generalize because some, the, a lot of people we work with, I mean, just in the, in, to be transparent, a lot of our work is done in in memory care communities, in, in AL communities where there is mid to late stage dementia. A lot of people that really are never going to easily be able to independently do things like, like email, but a lot of those people, they are able to recognize their picture or something that matters to them. And you can have content right behind their picture that's relevant to them. And it could be a granddaughter singing. It could be a Frank Sinatra song. It could be a priest saying the rosary. It could be a, a virtual trip to Paris that they went on 40 years ago. There, there, there's, there's no limits to what the content might be. But I think it's, it's important to frame it to not confuse people with too many options, too many choices. The early, you know, more folks on the early stage you know, I'm, I mean, it's just, again, I just keep saying the same thing, that it's hard to generalize because some people are, they're able to whip their way through it. And some people are consistently uh, confused by it. I, I just think, wow. or I really like some of the FaceTime type products and, and WhatsApp and things that are kind of one and two clip ways to get to things without having to put in a myriad of passwords and such. So uh, yeah. again, it's, it's a lot of individual preferences. So one of the questions that we had um, have coming in is asking like, how do you teach people, especially with dementia, that technology um, is not something to be feared? Um, how do you give them that confidence? You, again, again, I'll answer from kind of a, a senior living community standpoint. You know, we, we start a project and, and we have, you know, we're, we're in almost 3000 communities. We have a lot of experience in, in, in doing this work. The, the, the goal isn't to, uh, I mean, there's, there's kind of two things we try to take on, but the first one is that the goal isn't to get everybody using it right away. It's who are the, within a community, who are the residents that are most likely to be engaged and you get them connected to the grandkids. The, the, the grandkids are like the secret sauce of this whole thing. And, and the, the, you know, the, the crotchety guy that might say, you know, I'm, I don't want this. I never needed this technology. All of a sudden, he sees his buddy that he has dinner with every night, skyping with that guy's granddaughter, and it's like, okay, wait a second. Maybe this is worth the the pain to go through. So I think that a lot of it is that the grandkids has been a, has been a big deal. And the second thing for us is to be uh, again, a lot of our work is staff led, and and so much of the activity programming in communities, I think, is you know, it's it's, it's very um, uh, you, you know, it's, 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 I hate to say demeaning because the, the, the people are doing such good work, but a lot of the programming can be just certainly not dignified to a generation that deserves better. So a lot of our work is really training the, the staff to integrate what we do into the core of what they're trying to do every day, whether it's virtual travel, whether it's spirituality, uh, we love to, uh, if it's a community that has a mix of residents, we love to, to see some of the more independent residents embrace what we're doing 
and then work with the folks that are having some cognitive issues. We've had a lot of communities tell us that we're one of the few things that where there has been some interaction between the the independent residents and the folks uh, more in some kind of a in, in more of a cognitive decline place. So to, to um, sum it up here, give us the top maybe three tips um, it, for the frustrated caregiver who wants to, um, uh, you know, have their parent use more technology for those reasons. What What is the best way? Like, what are the top three things they should know to kind of steer this journey? And I, when it, I can, do you mean as far as, is is in the in the case you're looking at is is mom or dad living at home independently or is mom or dad in a community or do you want me to answer a little bit for both answer a little for both okay for if it's mom or dad in the community i would say get one of their peers or somebody else to help i mean i, I again I, I, that's a generalization in some places it works it there i just see so much frustration between family members trying to show mom or dad and they just get burned out. Everybody gets burned out. And it's just, a, it, it, you know, in a lot of ways, not just technology, but that can get in the way. I just think that the, that the, the peers, having your peers be mentors has been so much more impactful than the, you know, than the kids trying to do it. And a lot of, you know, a lot of, uh, it, there's networks that get, that get put together. If it's, you know, with at, at libraries, at senior centers, there's a lot of places you can go and get all kinds of technology resources. I, I would the, the one thing I would say on the uh, I think I alluded to this before on the more if you're if you're looking for a community for mom or dad, uh, I, I think it's it make make tech in you know you we love it when people specifically say hey is it summer too late in this community I mean that's awesome but I mean just more in general. It's as a consumer demand. I mean, if you're making a choice, make sure that technology is a part of the experience for where your mom or dad is living. Even if they cognitively are not able to make that connection themselves, people get so caught up in the, the physical amenities of a building that I think oftentimes are meaningless. I think of my own parents being my, both my parents have been gone for a long time, but if I was choosing a community for my mom or dad, you know, it would be, how do you keep, I, I could care less what somebody's furniture look like. I would want to know, how do you keep dad connected to the Nebraska Cornhuskers? How do you keep mom able to say the rosary every day? All these things that are meaningful to them, that matters so much more than, than what does your China look like? And I just think as, as consumers, you should demand that that's a part of the experience. And then immerse yourself in it. And, and it really, it, it's amazing when, when the staff knows the nuances of your mom or dad, it's amazing the quality of care that can change. And those nuances can be anything like she likes her left sock put on before her right sock. And you know, what seemingly insignificant things are, are huge. And so I just, uh, when I see communities that really embrace our work, and, and just in a really tough situation where nobody really wanted to wind up there, you, you see joy and love and smiles through technology that, I, you know, more than I think anything else you can provide. And so obviously I'm biased, but 
and I've seen it happen for. for so, so Jack is, um, it's never too late. Is it, it's a B two B model, right? So you really only deal with um, care uh, uh, facilities. To yeah, you know, our, our, I mean, our model. I mean, over the next few years, we're clearly going to be actually not in a few years. We are migrating to keep making our group product better but put a lot of emphasis on an individual product that can be delivered in a lot of ways. But as is the case with everything we do, uh, it's we get our customer input. We're not trying to say, here, you need this. And a lot of our customers are tiptoeing into home and community-based services. And uh, we've got a great uh, a great team put it together. Karen O'Hearn's our, our, our product roadmap, and she's always out getting customer feedback. So as the years go by, Really, and as the months go by, we're going to be developing just a, a more and more robust product for an individual. But our uh, our sweet spot right now is totally transforming activity and therapy programming within the walls of a community. Great. Well, thank you so much, um, Jack York. Thanks for your time, um, and of course, um, for what you do. Um, it's it's incredibly intriguing um, to think um, of connecting more people. Um, to their families, to their interests through technology. So thanks very much. Yeah, and uh, you know, just one one quick shout out. There's a couple guys that I know living with dementia that are mentors of mine that are tech that are smarter than a guy in particular, Mike Belleville. A guy is smart. Mike, we know he's a friend of ours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you, you have people like that that are just so inspirational and 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 you know, just love being a, a part of of. I don't know. We're like a 20 year old startup, but we're just scratching the surface of what we can do. And I think that in a world that there's a lot to be, you know, apprehensive about, I think technology, the, the engagement side of technology is a really, really cool thing. But thanks for having me on. This is great. All right. Thanks, Jack.